Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're so glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and I have a, a new friend with me on the line. I've got Marty Machowski. So, Marty, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jonathan. It's great to be with you today. And Marty, I don't really want to waste any time because I think you have written a book uh, that's going to just really help a lot of parents out there. Um, You've written this wonderful book that's entitled God Made Boys and Girls, and the subtitle is Helping Children Understand the Gift of Gender. Now, if, if there is a timely book to be written for parents and kids, uh, I think this is the one, but can you give us a little bit of background on on yourself and kind of what led to this point of, of writing this kind of a book? Sure. Uh, well, I'm a pastor and a writer. I have been serving at the same church as a family pastor for over 30 years, and that's just outside of Philadelphia in the suburbs. And I've worked with children's ministry and families, parents with their kids, uh, over that entire time. Even though now I serve as the executive pastor, I've kept my hand in ministry to families and leading our children's ministry. And this issue of gender confusion is one that I have seen come up again and again. And a a pastor friend of mine said that I should write a book on gender for uh, families. And that caused me to to look into it a little bit more. And what really shocked me was how many books were available for parents on gender, especially for young kids. There's actually a boatload of them. The problem is every single one of them was telling parents that their child's gender that they were born with could change. It wasn't necessarily the gender that they were supposed to have. And I couldn't believe it. I thought somebody has got to write a book that teaches parents the biblical truth that their child's gender is a gift from God that can never change. And then in my study and research, I discovered that in a California preschool classroom, a teacher there used one of the pro-gender transition books in a preschool class as part of a gender transition ceremony that Mm. was conducted without the parents' knowledge. So that children came home completely upset. Uh, One little girl came home and said, mommy, I don't wanna become a boy. Am Mm. I gonna become a boy? And of course her mom was like, this is crazy. And when they approached the school board saying, hey, look, guys, you know, the regulations say you got to give us notice when you do sex education. Basically, they came back with this, that, no, no, you, you misunderstand. This is not sex education. This is identity education. Mm. And then in a subsequent year, that teacher who presented the pro-gender transition book and shepherded over the transition ceremony without the parents' permission or consent was given the Teacher of the Year Award. And I'm just thinking like, okay, somebody has got to help parents with a resource that gives them the biblical truth. And that's why I wrote God Made Boys and Girls. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, uh, you know, one of the things you're saying there that is really 
causing, I think, a lot of this confusion is that that separation that is being made between gender and sex, right? We're trying to say somebody's sexuality is sort of different from their gender, which, first of all, kind of makes my head hurt because I'm thinking, how do you how do you dissect that? Like, how do you say exactly? And and I think it's to what you're talking about. They put it into identity language rather than, you know, biological language. Or so, can you talk a little bit about that as far as kind of what came out of your research in terms of saying, uh, you know, seeing that there's this identity push to say it's more about uh, finding your identity or choosing your identity than it is necessarily responding to what you've already been given in your biology. Well, that's exactly right. And there are uh, college professors who are suggesting the truth about who you are, who you know yourself to be, your, your perceived identity is more scientifically valid than your determined biology. So no one denies determined biology. So what are your chromosomes? You know, if, if your blood was found on the crime scene uh, where someone had, uh, you know, let's say assaulted you and they wanted to make sure that you were there and they found your blood, they would be able to say, uh, this is your blood. This is boy blood or girl blood because your genetic code is in every cell of your body. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that is agreed upon. But what they're saying now is that your personally understood identity, that which you feel that you are, is actually more valid than what the genetic code says that you are. And so in one fell swoop, we've thrown out hard science for this idea that you can accurately or your perception is accurate. Now, it's interesting, Jonathan, that there is no other, um, no other place where we would uh, treat things that way. So, for example, if someone says, I really feel like I need to kill myself, uh, we don't say, well, your feeling that you should kill yourself is um, more valid than the reality that you should live, and that's not a good idea. Or another example is like in eating disorders. When someone says, I feel fat, but they only weigh, you know, 89 pounds and they're five foot seven. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though you feel fat and that might be a true perception, we don't say to that person, oh, well, that, that belies the reality of the numbers on the scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, we say the numbers of the scale, the truth that you can see needs to shape your feelings. But here in this area of gender, Science has said, no, no, that's not how it's going to work. We're going to trump the factual reality of your biology and emphasize what you feel, which is really, as you and I know, subject to all sorts of um, fallibility because, you know, we feel things that are not true. Not only, not only fallibility, but it is perpetually subjective, Right, because um, you know our feelings are never static, and so therefore I could I could feel one way today, I could very much feel another way tomorrow, and then a third and fourth way the next two days. 
So talk yeah. a little bit about talk about a, a little bit about the the danger that this poses to children in that aspect of instability, because this message that is being pushed, um, it seems to me like the world is already a very uh, confusing, wonderful, amazing, uh, challenging place for child for children. I mean, childhood is is both at the same time a wonderment and a terror. Like like everything's new, and you're you know you've got all these uh, you, you know your body is growing, your your chemistry is growing, and then of course you hit puberty, and all these other types of things are happening. It's already somewhat of a confusing world for a child. How does this kind of um, message only exacerbate and create? that much more instability in a child if they are basically said, Hey, you know what? It's sort of up to you to determine who you are. And when it comes to your gender, seems to me like that would create a massive amount of confusion for a child. It's, it's causing a massive amount of confusion. You know, people ask, well, why are we seeing so many children in an ongoing, increasing way confused about their gender? Well, the, the reason for that is they're being told that they can figure that out for themselves. I mean, uh, they, you know, they can choose, they can discover. And my goodness, how, you know, kids are, they struggle with their identity for any number of reasons. So if mom and dad are not getting along, it's very common for kids to think, is that my fault? Is there something wrong with me? Uh, so their identity struggles are very real for children. Um, you know, when uh, a child's growing up and they're not as athletically gifted as another, um, they struggle with their identity to determine, you know, is there something wrong with me? And so uh, if we just throw in a massive variable like gender, then they go to that place and they ask the question, well, I can't run as fast as the other boys. Maybe I'm supposed to be a girl Mm. or I love to run like the boys, maybe I'm supposed to be a boy. And, mm-hmm. and into a world where, you know, let's face it, there are a lot of kids who are in struggling families and they are already in a weakened place. Add in another area that they have to be confused and you see the challenge that we have. And then uh, it, it's not difficult enough for them that they might struggle with their gender identity. But when that struggle is presented to a significant authority, at least in the public square, the non-biblically informed or directed public square, the predisposition of the public square is to acknowledge, support, affirm, and encourage cross-gender movement. Mm -hmm. So that if you're a boy wondering, maybe you should be a girl, the predisposition of the culture is to affirm that confusion by um, siding with that idea, pushing you toward gender change, not away from gender change. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's really happened in the last 10 years. Yeah. So take us through um, kind of how you approach this in the book and and how you try to help parents and kids, because I love the way that this was written, that it's not like 
it's not like a, a book that's supposed to be filtered through parents to the kids. I mean, it's something that they can do together. Uh, first of all, I think the, the graphics throughout it are awesome. It's, it's a really well done uh, book. But can you, can you help us understand kind of how you tried to approach this and where you started and where you're trying to sort of guide parents and children in these conversations around gender? Yeah, I, I'd love to be able to do that because it, it needs to begin with the truth of God's word. So we start with a foundational truth of how, what is gender and where did it come from? Uh, is it a construct that man invented? Is that, is, is that where we go to find our origins of gender? And of course, the answer is no. God created gender. And that happened with Adam and Eve. Male and female, he created them. And then he looked at it and he said it was very good. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, God's creation of gender is very good. It's not a mistake. He didn't say, oh, well, you know, I, I kind of thought that I'd make you Eve a, a woman. And I started you out, Adam, as a man. But you must choose for yourself. He gave them charge uh, over the creation to rule and subdue, to multiply and fill the earth. But one of the charges wasn't determine your gender because mm -hmm. God formed their gender and assigned to them their gender. And he doesn't make mistakes. And so we begin there. And then from there, of course, we see how sin entered the world and distorted God, God's good pattern. So sin enters the world and we see strife and it gets to the place where before the flood, mankind, basically, it says only did evil all the time. And so when you ask the question, where, where does confusion come in? Where does rebelling against God's pattern come in? Uh, it really is anybody who rebels against God's pattern. Well, that is the very definition of sin. Mm -hmm. and, and rebellion, casting off the truth of God. And so I wanted to start God Made Boys and Girls in that biblical place, but I wanted to do it in the context of a story. Because after all, I'm trying to communicate to the youngest children. I'm not going to just start out straight up with theology without yeah. any interest. Uh, and so I decided to create this scenario where Maya, character in the book, runs like the wind. And she loves to play with the boys. And uh, one of the boys is jealous. And he says, hey, if you keep playing with the boys, you're going to turn into a boy. And she, of course, is upset with that. Asks the teacher, Mr. Ramirez, is that correct? And he says, no, of course not. Let's go into the classroom. That wasn't a kind thing to say. And let's talk about it. And he's the one who begins that foundational story of talking about Genesis. And that your gender is coded into every cell of your body. Because here's, the, here's what our, the other cultural books that are pro-gender transition would say. They would say that what you are on the outside, let's say in the case of Maya, a girl, she is a girl biologically on the outside, isn't who you are on the inside. And, and books that are pro-gender transition will make that point that what you are on the outside is not what you are on the inside. You may have a girl's body, but a boy's brain. And what I wanted to communicate in this book 
is that no, because your gender is coded into every cell of your body. Uh, if you are if you have a girl's body, you have a girl's brain. You have a girl's toes, nose, every part of your body, inside and out, your heart, lungs, bones, sinew, the all of it is girl. It's fundamentally girl created by God. And it can't change because God created you perfect as he wanted. Yeah, and I think it I think it's important that uh, what you've done there is you've you've caused the reader to realize that. Some Christians, I think, have believed that somehow science and Christianity and God's word are somehow at odds with one another. And some have made them at odds with one another because we've either got bad theology or bad science. <laughs> but when you actually say, no, 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 actually, you know, when we look at biology, when we study the human body, we study these things, there is no inconsistency between what we find in God's design biologically in our bodies and what we see in his word, like you're talking about from the very beginning, he made them male and female. We've got these chromosomes. We've got these down our very cells. And so I think, um, I think it's good for parents and for kids to realize there's a congruency in God's design of creation. And um, you know, how do you, how do you, I guess little sidebar here how do you argue for for some of this when there is such, uh, if I can put it this way, kind of disjointedness all throughout the quote unquote science of the day that is sort of picking and choosing what they want to say is, you know, scientific. And then what they're wanting to say is just sort of a, a moralistic framework that you need to, to, to work from. How do you, how do you help bring coherency when there's such muddled, conversation from the other side well you know you can't logically argue with illogical thought i mean really because you know once you stop logic then whatever you try to say has no bearing so if if philosophy the idea that you can choose your own gender uh, trumps the truth that your gender is determined by your uh, God-given, scientifically provable chromosomal biology, uh, you, there's, there is no argument there. Mm -hmm. But what, what I feel like is the, is the most important thing is that we not give up the truth of hard science because people are moving away from hard science to a more philosophical framework for uh, what they're, they're saying is truth. And it's so critical, which is why I wrote this book for the youngest kids. It's so critical that we establish a foundation in our youngest children so that the truth that uh, is what we would have said before, scientific, the, the chromosomal truth, the biblical truth uh, is given to them and finds its foundational place in their lives before the abstractions are thrown at them. So people mm -hmm. said to me, you mean to tell me you've written a book on gender for five-year-olds? I said, exactly. Well, why is that? That's not a, an appropriate subject for five-year-olds. I said, well, you know, first of all, it's biblically and tastefully done to affirm these two truths that God gave your gender to you as a gift and it doesn't change. So, so those things aren't really inappropriate for young children. 
but to teach them that and give them the biblical foundation behind it, the scientific biological foundation behind it helps them and equips them for someday when someone says, oh yeah, you can pick what you are. If you want to be a boy and you're a girl, you can change. Or if you want to be a girl and you're a boy, you can change. Uh, that, that child at six years old or seven is going to say, no, 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 no. That doesn't change your, the, your cell structure. You've got, you, if you're a boy, you've got XY. If, you have girl, uh, if you're a girl, you've got XX. You're double extra special. So let's talk and, about this. So let's talk about this for a little bit, because certainly what will come up in these types of conversations is the reality that for all of human history, we have created stereotypes of what it means to be a boy in terms of activities and interests and all that, and what it means to be a girl in terms of these roles and these stereotypes. And there's kind of these pretty wide lanes that we've sort of generally said, well, boys pretty much do this and girls pretty much do that. And there should never be any, any type of desires that cross over into each other's space. How do you address that in the book in the sense that what's the difference then between this reality of this God given gender that is unchangeable because it's right down to the very cells in every single part of my body, but that that does not automatically mean that every boy functions in a, in the same way and every girl functions in the same way. How do we how do we navigate that as parents? Well, I would say that the idea of stereotypes is and has always been unwise and unkind and unbiblical. So back in the day when I was growing up, we didn't have gender transitions, but we would call a girl who loved to climb trees and run and play with the boys, a tomboy. Mm -hmm. Well, back then that, that wasn't really a kind thing to say, but it, it didn't really have any lasting implications because it never, it never uh, started the idea in her mind that, oh, maybe she should change who she is from girl to boy. Um, but in today's uh, social economy, uh, those same stereotypes can have a profound diseffect on the life of a kid. And, and the Bible doesn't teach stereotypes. I mean, just take Jacob and Esau. I love that they're twins, right? They're born at the same time. Jacob is a man's, uh, is a, Esau's a man's man. He's the hunter, right? What's Jacob doing? He, he's a cook. He's a cook. <laughs> you know, he, he's with his mom all the time. Well, does that make him a sissy? Is he more like a girl? Well, no, he's not. Um, who does God choose to carry on the seed? Jacob. And he, you know, he uh, is used of God, does some mighty things. But yeah, you know, he's not, he's not the stereotypical man. And so uh, David's another great example. Yeah, so, I was going to say David's know, a warrior, a poet, and a musician. You know, I mean, it's like. Yeah. And, you know, the, he's made fun of for his dancing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things that I wanted to, to blow up is this idea of stereotypes. And so, you know, it's great if girls are mechanically inclined and want to fix cars. It's wonderful if boys want to sing and dance that doesn't change who God has made them in their God-given gender. In fact, on the front cover, we have a girl climbing a tree and a boy reading a book. And that's to say that, guess what? 
if God's created you a boy, to be a boy, you can climb trees or you can read books. If he's created you to be a girl, you can climb trees or you can read books. Those actions, those talents, those gifts, those preferences don't have anything to do with your gender. They are what you like to do. Your gender is fixed within your biology, your God-created biology, and it can't change. Mm-hmm. One of the things we've discovered too is so uh, in our in our family care ministry, um, our director of training has done a lot of research in this area too. And one of the things, especially, um, you know, used to be classified as gender dysphoria, that's kind of going away now too, because that would be too politically incorrect to say that somebody would actually have, it'd be a, a dysfunction to think that you're in the wrong body or whatever. Um, but one of the things is it's in his research, he found when you're talking about adolescence, it's highly normal for a lot of different thoughts to flood through a child's mind as they're going from that transition to from childhood to adulthood, where there's a lot of confusing sexual feelings. There's a lot of confusing identity issues that are going on, but also it's shown that the vast majority, you know, as they're coming through adolescence, by the time they hit their early to mid twenties have sort of reshaped back to whatever the original design template was. But what we're doing, I think now is we're hijacking that those, those thoughts that are kind of going awry and now saying, no, see that indicates because you just had that thought that maybe I'm a, a girl when my biology says I'm a boy, we need to run with that instead of saying, what if we sort of process that, had it run its course, talk about it and see if this might just be one of those things where you, you are feeling that because you have, you've been locked into a particular stereotype. You've had one of those unkindnesses that was spoken over you because maybe you are a phenomenal dancer, but somebody made a comment and therefore now you're confused about whether or not you're in the right body. So can you talk about that, just the normal development of children in this area where there's going to be lots of thoughts and different feelings, like you're talking about, maybe there's personality differences, maybe there's, there's uh, interests that are different, but that doesn't have to chip away at this foundation of the God-given gift of gender. Well, you're right. And, and the reality is you've got a lot of different things coming at kids. So think, think today, not only do you have the, the, you know, not meanly intentioned making fun of. So if, if, if a boy does have a wonderful singing voice, but he has a high voice, it hasn't changed yet. You know, you have the kid who will say, you know, you sing like a girl. Uh, it doesn't mean anything by that really, but you know, kids, they say things. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, you've got a pornography saturated culture. And so there are images that children are being exposed to at a very young age that cause them to be confused about what's going on. What did I see? What are these feelings that came up in me when I saw that? If you look at the statistics of how many children will be sexually abused by the time they're 18, it is an enormous amount of kids mm-hmm. that, are, that experience at least verbal sexual abuse, if not outright physical touching or worse. And so there's a lot of things coming at kids today that, ca- that can cause them to 
ask questions. Why did that happen to me? Is there something about me? You know, uh, a man touching a boy. Why did he touch me? Maybe, maybe I'm not the person I thought I was. Now, um, years ago, even a dozen years ago, you're right. A counselor would have shared with a boy who was feeling like maybe he was supposed to be a girl that no, he was created to be a boy, would see that as having some gender dysphoria and want to counsel him to remain as he is, as he was born to be. But that is actually uh, discouraged today. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why is there is a very high suicide rate among people who are confused about their gender or struggling with gender identity issues. That's just straight up statistics. And so what's happened is there is a, uh, a move to not cause people to be confused more. So if there's a, a, a biological boy who's feeling like he's a girl, for you to tell him he's wrong and send him back to his original biology is to potentially cause him to have suicidal thoughts, lead him down that road. So we need to try to, let's just calm the waters. Let's affirm his, his uh, gender uh, of choice. Let's run with his gender pronouns and let's try to stabilize this young man. When in reality, the true stabilization comes from truth, mm-hmm. not from falsehood. Um, you know that, I know that, but we live in a world where the secular authority is wanting to make way for uh, this idea that gender is a personal choice and you can't, and affirm those choices. It's just, it's just really adding to the confusion. And so then you have, let's say a high schooler. In, in my local high school, we have several people who are walking out a gender transition where they are, they've been uh, born a boy, they're dressing as a girl. Well, you have one happen in your high school it goes viral. It goes on YouTube or um, Instagram or Facebook, and you know pictures. Uh, you know Bob is now Betty, and that information gets down to middle school students who don't have the discernment and show it to their five-year-old brother. Look, mm-hmm. a boy became a girl in school today. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden now you're planting this falsehood in the mind of a five-year-old. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize you could change. Yeah. And in reality, you can't. Well, Marty, this has been a phenomenal conversation. We are about out of time here. So I'd love for you to just be able to give any, any kind of closing words of encouragement to parents out there who are navigating with their young children this sex saturated, gender confused world that we're in. And then also let them know how they can get a copy of this book. Well, first, I'm going to speak to the parents who you have a child who's struggling right now. Here's what I would say. Pray and know that the vast majority of children outgrow their gender confusion. Teach your child lovingly the truth and do not fear. God is with you and he will help direct your steps. And if you'd like to get a copy of God Made Boys and Girls, you can go to newgrowthpress.com. That's newgrowthpress.com, and you can find it there, or you can search the title on the web, and you will get through to a site where you can buy it. That's God Made Boys and Girls. 
And of course, Marty, we're going to put all that in the show notes, but uh, thank you for being with us. And also thank you for writing this book. I, I was able to take a look at a copy and it's just phenomenal. It's really well done. And I think uh, one of the things I want to just commend you on is how, how the whole conversation in the book leads to the gospel of Jesus. Cause I think that is ultimately what is central to what is going to keep us grounded in the truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I really appreciate how you, you wove that together because um, I, I believe even in the ministry that we're in, we're dealing with sexual brokenness issues, but I believe that um, God actually wrote the gospel within our very bodies in terms of how he made male and female. And he says, Christ is the bridegroom and the church is his bride. And therefore there's that union of oneness. So thank you for what you've done in this book. And um, we're grateful that you've been with us today. Glad to be on your program. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Yeah. Well, listeners, I recommend you go out and grab that book, uh, God Made Boys and Girls, and we'll have that in the show notes for you. And we're so grateful that you've been with us, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. So take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.